If you're able to stand, I want to invite you to stand as I read to us God's very word for you this morning. Revelation 22 verses 6 through 21. Uh, These are the last words in God's word. So listen closely. Verse 6, and he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evil doer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and to everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. title of the sermon is Keep On Keeping On. Keep On Keeping On. When poets of the past were asked, what is it we should do when life gets really hard? And, and they would answer in various songs and poets, poetry. Keep on keeping on. Revelation tells us if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, 
And life is going to get really hard. Revelation has, has told us that the devil himself is, is coming at us. That he's using power and he's got a lot of power. So that we'll end up fearing something more than we fear the Lord. The devil is coming at us with persuasion so that we will believe someone other than the Lord. Can you see how this is happening right now all around us? The devil coming at us with power and with persuasion, but also with pleasures. So that we would love something more than the Lord. And so as we come to the end of the book of Revelation, we we have been told over and over the devil's coming at us. But we've also been told. And the last thing we're told is Jesus is coming for us. And verse six tells us these words. Are trustworthy and true. So what is it we should do. As we wait. Verse seven. I am coming soon, Jesus says, blessed is the one blessed will you be if you keep the words of the prophecy of this book of Revelation. Jesus cares what we do till he comes. That's the sermon in a sentence, the summary of what I think this passage is teaching to us. Jesus cares what we do till he comes. And to put it simply, he wants us to keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on and, and specifically keep on keeping on five last words, you can say. That he lays out in these final verses, five things. To keep doing. Especially when life gets really hard. And I just want you to understand this. It's going to make all the difference. In eternity. For you. And for me. If Jesus. When he comes. Finds us keeping these things. Point number one, he says, keep on glorifying, keep on glorifying. See this in verses eight and nine. I wonder if you've ever finished a great story. And have been overwhelmed. Now, I remember this happening to me um, I had painful tears, um, a unique kind of sorrow and wonder when I was reading to Kelly the end of that book about a boy wizard. Um, 
Like I, I cried painfully for like the last 200 pages. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you read what I, I don't know what you read. But I'd be reading and I, I'd be crying. You know, it happens whenever a great book ends. Um, the big feels, they started coming. And the Apostle John has just seen and heard all of this book of Revelation. And when he hears the end of it, he falls down to the feet of the one who had told him the story and he worshipped this angel. Now, we'll get to what, what's wrong about that in a second. But, beloved, I, I do want you to understand what's totally right about that. And that is that this thing that he has just heard, this this book that we have just been through for the last year is glorious. The Apostle John and you have just spent the last year hearing no one can stop Jesus from safely getting us home to God. That, that's what he that's what he just heard, like literally right before he falls down at the feet of the one who's telling him this and worships him. In Revelation 21, he's saying after all of the terrible pressures and all of the terrible uh, persuasions and all of the pleasures that tempted us, after all of that, Jesus will not be stopped. He's going to get us home. And so, beloved, hear this again. If you follow Jesus... There will be lots of trouble for you in this life. But death, even death, can't stop Jesus from bringing you into a new world that God is making that is overflowing with life. The devil himself can't stop Jesus from bringing us back to God. The first thing we're to do until Jesus comes is to keep glorifying God. This is a book about worship. And John mistakenly turns his worship toward an angel. He's corrected about that. He says, no, don't don't do that to me. I'm, I'm just a servant like you. Notice how now believers are described at the end of verse nine. We are those who serve God and we keep the words of his book. This is what a believer in Jesus Christ is. He is a worshiper of God. If you want to know what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ, put this into your definition. It means you put God above everyone else. I wonder if how often you think about the fact that you were given life, that you still have a heart and you still have breath so that you would worship Jesus cares who you worship. That is, who, whose glory you live for. Whether you give glory and beauty and honor and praise to God alone, or whether you give all of that to anyone or anything else. Keep on glorifying. Keep on doing it like like after we finish this sermon and finish this book, keep on worshiping God. I wonder if you can respond like the Apostle John did as God has just laid all these truths out for us over the last year. Can you over 
lunch today or the rest of this week sing praises the way that they sang praises to God, the way that they had to respond to the things they kept on hearing with shouts of joy. You can do that even before we finish this sermon, if you please. It might encourage the rest of us. But respond in some way, maybe every time you sing the song Almost Home, you remember these truths and worship God. Sing, crown him with many crowns. That will be a good way for you to keep on glorifying God in light of this book. But that's not the only thing you'll do if you want to honor Jesus till he comes. The second thing we'll do is we are called to keep on cautioning. Keep on cautioning. We'll see this in verses 10 through 13. One thing Jesus wants us to keep on doing until he comes. Is is at the end of verse 10 there. Do not seal up. The words. Of this book. Don't seal them up. The time is near. These prophecies need to go out. And they, and it's clear that these prophecies have a warning and a caution to them because of what's in the rest of 10 through 13 about the judgment that Jesus is bringing. Prophecies throughout the Bible call people to turn back to God. That's what prophecies are for. They're not just to interest us about what's coming. They're not the matter of debate. And intrigue and testing one another, how good a believer we are. No, prophecies aren't given for that. They're called to turn our hearts and our lives back to faithfulness in God. And prophecies also have power. They don't just remind us how we should treat God. They actually reveal whether we treat him rightly. Prophecies have this effect of of showing now who is it really? Who lives for God? Because the prophecies go out and then people either change and turn back to God or they do not. That's what he's saying in verse 11. Whenever he says right after this, let the evildoer still do evil. Let the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. God is calling everyone away from evil. Everyone toward good. But throughout the Bible, every time one of those prophecies goes out, some can be warned over and over and over again, and they still will not turn. That's what happened in this book. Jesus cautioned with the trumpets. And do you remember when the trumpet judgments come, what it said for all those who actually survived the trumpets, who were not killed by the plagues that were there? They did not repent. They would not turn back. And then again, whenever the bold judgments were coming in in the book of Revelation, what is it that happened to those who were survivors who had. Who had suffered under the judgments of God, but had not. Yet died, they did not give God glory. They cursed God for their suffering, but they would not turn away from their deeds. 
And I'm afraid, I pray that no one here will be like that. Will still be filthy. Will still be evil. Because you will not listen. Church, if we're going to be faithful to Jesus until he comes, that includes we'll caution people. And if you do that, you're going to face the discouragement that all the faithful prophets faced. Because even the people you love will not all change. But we are told very clearly in verse 12, Jesus is coming soon to bring payback. And, and because he, is, he knows he's coming to pay them back, he wants us to keep on cautioning. Don't seal up the words of this book. Keep on telling them to turn. He cares whether we'll do that. And he reminds us then who it is that is bringing this payback. Jesus is this phrase that only is used of God in the Bible, the Alpha and the Omega. In the Greek alphabet, that's the first letter of the alphabet and the last letter of the alphabet. And Jesus is that because he really is the first. And he is the last because he really is God. He's God in the flesh. He is the beginning. He was there before anything else was there. And he is the end. He will outlast everyone and everything. And it's him who is saying, I'm coming. And he's doing that so that we would turn when he cautions us. This God who knows everything is the one who's coming to bring payback. The God who has heard your every thought and has marked down every deed. He is the one who has vengeance. And when he repays you and when he repays me, he's going to do so for everything that we have done. He won't be comparing any one of us to any one of us. We will be compared to him. And all his perfection. And so it really is amazing that back at the end of verse 11, that some that he comes to repay are actually called righteous. Are characterized by doing right. And, and that is people who are sinful, who have done evil, who on their own are filthy but who are now holy. The question is, how can that be? And so point number three comes from verses 14 and 15, where he says, keep on cleansing. Keep on cleansing. Look again at verse 14. Blessed are those who cleanse or wash their robes. So that they may have the right to the tree of life. And that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside the gates. 
outside the city are the dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. There's a story called The Scarlet Letter. And in it, the the main character, Hester Prynne, has to live out her days branded with the letter A, the scarlet letter, on her clothes because she committed adultery. And in that story, everyone who sees her judges her and looks down on her. Well, Revelation says that our record of what we've done is on us. It's on our robes. And, you know, you may struggle with different sins than I struggle with. But every one of us is a sinner. And every one of us has has earned a giant S to be branded on us. And if you, you think that's not true, if you think that's not fair, if you, if you have come here today thinking that actually you're pretty good and some people are pretty good, just, just understand the standards of God are absolute perfection, not pretty goodness. It was one sin that was enough for Adam and Eve. And that, that, that's, that's what he's, he's calling our minds back to here when he, When he says, if you will wash, then you will have a right to the tree of life. Because Adam and Eve had committed one sin and they did not any longer have right to the tree of life. One sin. Taking a bite of fruit that God did not want them to take a bite of was enough for them to go outside. Outside of life and outside the garden of God. Jesus is just really kind and clear to us. Sin may feel fun for a moment, but he tells us it will lead here in verse 15 to an eternity of misery. It will lead to having no right To the new world he laid out in in chapter 21 that is overflowing with life. We'll have to stay outside with the dogs. Which in the Bible is a reference to people who are rejected. And then he, and then he lays out this other, this list of sins that we've seen throughout the book of Revelation. I just want to draw your attention to the last one. Outside of the dogs and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I draw your attention to that because that's that's always the last one in the list. Lying is most offensive to the God of truth. And I think it's at the end as well because every single sin, whatever your brand of sin and temptation is, is a lie. It promises that if you disobey God or you don't trust God, That you're going to have the great life. God tells us the truth. No. Apart from him, you have to be outside. And that's where the lake of fire is. One thing that Christians 
believe deeply is that we have sown the S of sin into our lives. We, we really believe uh, at the end of chapter 21 and verse 27 that nothing unclean will ever enter into the city of God, nor anyone will ever be in what we call heaven who does what is detestable or false. And we believe that that is what we deserve. You can't be a Christian unless you deeply believe that. And Jesus wants us to keep remembering. If we want to be with God in his new world, in the city of life. We have to be clean. Deeply clean. Like our souls have to be cleansed. And we believe there is a detergent. There is one detergent that can get the stain of sin out of our souls. And so he reminds us at the end what he said right in the middle in Revelation chapter 7. Whenever he called our attention to those who are in the city of life. Whenever those who are worshiping God and enjoying heaven. They are those who washed their robes and made their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. And everyone who washes in the blood of the Lamb, therefore they will be before God forever and ever. Beloved, keep on cleansing. Blessed are those who cleanse and who keep on cleansing. And I I don't mean you have to just keep on coming back to Jesus for the first time. But as you as a Christian just keep on sinning, you keep on trusting and keep on pleading the blood of the Lamb. Keep on trusting. It is enough for this sin and every sin. Amen? Amen. Keep on cleansing. Jesus cares what we do till he comes. He wants us to keep on glorifying. He wants us to keep on cautioning. He wants us to keep on cleansing. But fourthly, he wants us to keep on calling. Keep on calling. It's in verses 16 and 17. Keep on calling. Look in verse 16 at this wonderful reminder of who it is that Jesus is. The son, the root and descendant of David. The bright morning star. Now, maybe that does not mean very much to you. He's the root and he's the descendant of David. He's the bright morning star. And I, I understand that even in a town full of Christians, maybe most people would hear that and think very little of it. But let, me, let me put what he's saying in a, a different way. Jesus is saying he is the one in that Christmas song who the hopes and fears of all the years are met in him. All the hopes and all the fears of all the years. Are met in this one. Person, the one king. 
the son of the best king that God's people have ever known. The one who we're told has a a heart after God's own hearts. But David was a man like you and me and a sinner. And he couldn't go on ruling. And so God promised, I'm going to send a son of David who would be perfect. That's who he's saying he is. The one who was promised who would rule forever and ever. That's what he's saying when he says the root and the descendant of David. He's saying, I am the one who will end my people's suffering. When he says, I am the root and the descendant of David. When he says, I am the root and the descendant of David, he's saying, not only will I end the suffering of my people, I will end all my enemies altogether. I will be, I am the bright star of the morning. I am the blazing sun that shines finally after a dark night of fear and threats that my people thought would never end. I'm coming soon. That's who Jesus is. And that's why right after that in verse 17, the Spirit of God speaks up and He says, come. And that's why the bride, the church, the one people in all the world who have the same tastes and desires as God Himself, they respond the same way that the Spirit does. Whenever they hear all of this together, They say what the Spirit says, come, Jesus. Redeemer Church, will you say, come, Jesus? Amen. I wonder if you, believer, in your hearts, if you can say, come. Or, If it were up to you, would you ask Jesus to come, but not right now? Hold up just a bit. And so I just want you to Take in how he describes us as his bride. And I wonder what you would think about a bride. I mean, just to get you the the woman in mind, a bridezilla. (laughs) You know, the high maintenance sort. Who says... I want my groom to come, but first, let me have a month with my girls in Vegas. Then, I'll be ready. Or, a bride who says, I don't want to go to my groom. Because I just love life without him so much. Beloved, the bride is not that way here. 
And neither should Redeemer Church be. And the believing members who make up our church. We don't wait until we've gotten all that we can out of this life to call Him to come. We aren't to wait until life has gotten so painful and the disease can't be cured or all our loved ones have already gone that then Then we say, now, I'm ready to come. Because I'm finally okay with not being here anymore. Beloved, I want to encourage you and me. This is is a word to my own heart. Let's be thankful for all the blessings God has given to us. And, 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 And to recognize it is a good thing. To want to see our responsibilities through. I want to raise my kids. You know, I want to keep enjoying marriage. I want to serve this church for many more years. Uh, I hope you're with me. Uh, I, I, I want to see the kingdom spread through this area more and more. But you and I have to be those who, because we believe what Revelation has told us, that the devil is dangerous. That the world is wicked. That Jesus is coming back to pay back all those who put anything before him. And that the new world that he would bring us to is way better than this world. The main word in this passage, repeated seven times, is a reference to Jesus coming. And it seems like maybe the best thing for us to do in order to get ready for him to come is just to get better and better At asking him to come. I want to encourage you. Make this a part of your daily life. Asking him to come. Like trying to train your heart. To stop loving this world too much. Every single time you fall short. Because of the weakness of your faith. Or or how quickly you sin. Say out loud to him. Come Lord Jesus. Whenever you you realize my trust is so weak and I've not honored him, say out loud, come, Lord Jesus. Every single time someone else hurts you, be reminded of what the world to come is going to be like and say, come, Lord Jesus, bring me to that world. Maybe maybe if you struggle to sleep because you're so afraid. That's a good moment for you to call out. Don't let me sleep. Come right now. Or you wake up because the dream was so scary to you. Then is a moment for you to say, there is another world to come. Come, Lord Jesus. I don't know if you're listening, but let me keep talking. If the next time you raise your voice to someone God has made you to love and be gentle with, that's a good time for you to say, come, Lord Jesus. The next time you get jealous because some God has given to someone else what is something you dearly want and you see just how ugly your unthankfulness is, that's a time for you to say, come, Lord Jesus. 
Whenever you see somebody who desperately needs Jesus, but you chicken out of sharing the faith with him, and you seal up the words that can actually warn him to turn right now, say, come, Lord Jesus. Whenever you hear, like I regularly hear, of someone else leaving the faith, and so many other times that we face every single day, can we not be the people who say, come, Lord Jesus, come now and end this long, dark night of my soul. Come, because I have nothing here that I actually want more than you. Come, because I trust you to do what you're going to do when you come. And I trust my loved ones with you. I think that also means every single time we celebrate the best of this world. Next time you have a birthday, say, come, Lord Jesus. Next time you're overwhelmed just looking at your child's smile like I, I was this weekend, then you can say, come, Lord Jesus. The next time you have a belly laugh, you're just getting a taste of the joy to come. So say, come, Lord Jesus. I wonder if there's anyone here who might be, by the power of the Spirit, be given a, a taste right now of just how much we believe Jesus is the greatest one in all the universe. And maybe you're starting to wonder and want Him to come. I want you to understand very clearly that what this Bible will teach you is that Jesus is the one that makes heaven heavenly. You need to want more than just not hell. You need to want Him. And what you need is to come to Him. That's why the end of 17 says, Come all who are thirsty. Come everyone who wants to have real life. Three times in, our, in verse 17 that word is repeated, Come, come. Come, And that's based on, that's why we read Isaiah 55 in verse 1, because three times in that verse it says, these words come. And there it's directed toward those who would come to the Lord who need forgiveness. If you will do that, all you have to do is believe in Him. All you have to do is recognize just how you cannot earn Him. Stop trying to, to, to do that. Recognize just how much you don't deserve Him. Recognize how much you deserve hell. And if you will come, he will give you life without any price. He's already paid the price by his blood. Come to him. Believe in him. Turn from your sins and he will save you. I know I'm running long. I'm just having a hard time leaving this book. And so let me get to the fifth thing he wants us to keep on doing. That's to keep on keeping. That's in verses 18 through 21. I was sitting with my family, extended family, at a wedding reception once. And one of my uncles asked me, because I'm the pastor. <laughs> this is my opportunity to ask the pastor. Um, and he said, do you think more books of the Bible are going to be found? And I just quickly said No. We don't need anything more for God to say. I mean, there's no way. 
Jesus says in verse 20, I'm coming soon. And what he's saying is, stop looking for more books of the Bible. I'm coming soon. He's not using the word soon the way you might use the word soon when you say, I'll be home soon. Soon for Jesus means next. I'm coming next. I've already come to save. Now all I have to do is come back. And I'm going to bring all of this to an end. And I'm going to bring all of life to start. When Jesus says, I am coming soon, he's saying, I'm, I'm going to come suddenly. Not just next, but it's going to be sudden. I'm coming, as he says in the book, I, I, like a thief who comes suddenly in the night. Whenever the homeowners, or you could say the unbelieving, aren't ready. All those who don't think he's ever going to come. Stop living like he's coming. He's going to come suddenly. He's going to come soon. And so what he gives us as his final command is keep on keeping. Keep on keeping. Specifically, notice this in, in verses 18 and following. This book. This book of Revelation. I understand why it is that people want to add to the book of Revelation. Or more broadly to the book of the Bible. Or the whole Bible. They're hoping that. God might say something else that would actually approve something that the Bible clearly says that he hates. That's why they want to add. And I understand why people want to take away from what God has said. Take away maybe that bit in verse 15 about how sexual sin will keep us out of heaven. We live in that and don't trust him for repentance through that. Or idolatry. I understand they want to take away that little bit about how we can't put anything before God. I understand why they want to take away all those chapters throughout the book of Revelation. Just over and over about the horrors of hell. I get all that. It's because something inside us thinks that we're not all that bad. And something inside us deep down thinks that God's not all that good. But look how good he is. I mean, look how good he is. I mean, even in verse 18, when he says, if you add to my book, I will add to you. What I mean by him being good is that his, his, his answer is absolutely perfect. It matches. You add to my book, I'll add the plagues in my book. To you, damnation. Take away the things you don't like in my book. And I'll take away any hope you have for life. Now, this, this does not mean that you can be a Christian and then stop being a Christian. It means that if you are a Christian, one sign that you are a Christian is you keep on keeping this book as it is. We need to keep it all. And what that means, I wonder if you believe this, it is eternally deadly for you. To sit under preaching that adds things that aren't in the book. And to sit under preaching that takes away things that are in the book. Beloved, God is the only author in the universe who needs no editor. We don't want an abridged version. And we don't want a second edition. We've got it. If you were to... Walk into my office, you're going to see lots of books. 
and you'll, every time someone walks in my office for the first time, they say, there's a lot of books in here. And I say, that's half of them. The rest are at my house. And, and I've even read some of them. <laughs> Great books. By John Owen and John Piper. By A.W. Tozer and C.S. Lewis. By Dickens and Tolstoy and Dumas and Shakespeare. It would be good for me to read the rest of them. It would be good for you to read them as well. It be good for you to know what is inside all of them. But friends, this book knows me. And this book knows you. Beloved, in this book are the hopes of every soul. And so Jesus says, keep on glorifying, cautioning, cleansing, calling, and keeping this book. Because it is our salvation. In it we find the Savior. And even when we hear our Savior warn so severely like he does and throughout this book, we can hear those warnings. And the answer, the only answer we have in verse 20, when he says, I'm the one who's coming soon, is amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we pray that you would help us to be a people who love your word. Who don't try to add anything to it. So much you've said about false teaching, believing the wrong things. God forbid that we would be a church who believes the wrong things. May we turn to your book and keep it. Because in it we have all we need to know about the one who will save us. And what real salvation is. Lord Jesus, would you keep us to the very end. When you come back and bring us to real life. We ask this in your name. Amen.